Hi, I'm Stephen and I'm the host of the Simple English News Daily podcast, downloaded over a million times. Monday to Friday, we tell you the most important stories everywhere in the world in just seven minutes. No opinion, just facts from politics, conflict, business, science, tech and everything else in the most simple way the story can be told. Understand the headlines from every continent every day in seven minutes. Go to send7.org or search in your podcast app for Simple English News Daily. Hello, I'm Roger Baker, Executive Director of the Stratfor Center for Applied Geopolitics at RAIN. This podcast is brought to you by RAIN Worldview, the premier digital publication for objective geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Find out how RAIN can help you stay ahead of global events at rainnetwork.com. You are listening to the Essential Geopolitics Podcast from RAIN, the most important conversation you'll probably hear all week. Today we're talking about Southeast Asia. Following the 2021 Taliban takeover of Afghanistan, many Southeast Asian governments, particularly the Philippines, Indonesia, Malaysia, worried that events there might reverse the broad decline in militancy the region has experienced since 2019. Well, has it happened? Here with answers is Isaiah Galassi, Reigns Global Security Analyst. Welcome, Isaiah. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. Let's jump right in. What does the terrorist threat in Southeast Asia look like today? So a variety of local militant organizations have long operated in Southeast Asia that have driven violence in particular areas of certain countries. But militancy in the region has been declining since around 2019. Now, there was a concern, as you discussed, uh, among many Southeast Asian governments that the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan may enhance the morale of violent extremist groups and drive a resurgence in violence in the region. But that hasn't really occurred. Uh, In fact, RSIS, which is a think tank in graduate school in Singapore, has collected data that shows reported attacks and clashes with security forces in recent years peaked at over 200 in 2019, but has since declined to under 100 reported incidents in 2021, a trend which has continued into 2022. Now, there are a number of reasons for these declines. For one thing, beginning in the mid to late 2010s, several multilateral counterterrorism initiatives were established that promoted counterterrorism cooperation among regional countries. So one of the most prominent examples of this is the Trilateral Cooperative Agreement between the Philippines, Indonesia, and Malaysia, which formalized coordinated maritime and air patrols in the Sulu-Celebes seas and enhanced intelligence sharing. And these efforts appear to have helped reduce criminal and extremist activity in these seas, which groups had long exploited to transport personnel and materiel, flee security forces, and fund their violent activity through kidnapping for ransom operations. Uh, COVID-19 restrictions have also played a role by constraining militants' ability to travel, recruit, and conduct violent activity. Individual countries have also had some notable counterterrorism successes over the years uh, that have helped degrade violent extremist groups. So, for example, in the Philippines, the largest Moro militant group, the Moro Islamic Liberation Front, is in the process of disarming and demobilizing as part of a peace agreement with the Philippine government, which has helped improve security and stability in the South. Also, many of the country's Islamist extremist groups, particularly the Abu Sayyaf group and the Maute group, have suffered heavy losses through years of sustained counterterrorism pressure. 
Another example is Indonesia, where security forces have also affected heavy losses uh, on the country's militants, especially after the government strengthened its anti-terrorism law in 2018. This helped drive a significant increase in the arrests of suspected militants and helped degrade the country's militant groups. But I assume, Isaiah, that there are challenges that remain. Can you name some of those? Yeah, so despite these notable successes and declines in militant activity, violence does persist in certain areas in the region. So, for example, Philippine troops continue to clash with Abu Sayyaf factions on the islands of Jolo and Basilan, uh, with remnants of the Maute group in Lanao del Sur province, uh, and with the Bangsamoro Islamic freedom fighters in Bangsamoro. In Indonesia, East Indonesia Mujahideen has sporadically clashed with security forces on the island of Sulawesi. And though Jama'a Anshar Daula's capabilities uh, to conduct major coordinated attacks has weakened, the group's fragmentation into smaller cells will continue to tax security forces' limited resources and sustain the potential for occasional attacks. Jama'a Islamiyah has weakened to the point where it likely doesn't pose a near-term violent threat, but it has attempted to influence government policies in the country by infiltrating infl- <clears throat> but it has attempted to influence government policies in the country by infiltrating influential positions in the government, military, and police, and so will likely remain a longer-term threat. And in Malaysia, besides the persistent threat from radicalized lone actors, one of the biggest challenges is countering regional criminal and violent extremist groups who continue to use certain parts of the country as a transit point and relative safe haven. Abu Sayyaf in particular often flees to the eastern state of Sabah to escape Philippine security forces, and Malaysian forces there recently dismantled a previously undiscovered encampment apparently used by that group for years. So authorities will need to continue operations there to counter militant activity. So having said that, Isaiah, can you give me some details about what controlling it would look like going forward? So the withdrawal of COVID-19 restrictions has prompted concern about the potential for a resurgence in violence in Southeast Asia, and this is certainly possible. But it is important to note that regional governments have continued counterterrorism operations throughout the pandemic, which has only further degraded militant groups that were already facing losses prior to COVID-19. This means that even as these constraints abate, uh, it would likely take some time for regional groups to rebuild and return to prior levels of operational activity if they even can. Uh, Regional governments have also recently pledged to expand and increase their coordination of counterterrorism activities in the region, uh, which would present a further constraint. But regardless, militancy in certain areas will likely continue, driven by the most active and resilient regional militants. It also remains necessary for kinetic and law enforcement operations targeting militants to be supplemented with countering violent extremism and de-radicalization programs, uh, as well as other policies and soft power tools that can help counter some of the underlying drivers of regional militancy as well. Isaiah Galassi is a global security analyst with RAIN. Thank you so much for that analysis. Thank you. RAIN offers improved situational awareness on emerging risks and threats like those we discussed today so that you can proactively manage and mitigate potential issues. Learn about RAIN's risk management at rainnetwork.com. That's R-A-N-E network.com. And I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening.